now it's time to be educated and entertained by the country's most famous environmental scientist, Joey Diaz Research Grizzly Man, Wolves, and Birds of Prey. He continues to travel all across America to bring you the very best that nature has to offer. Be ready to be amazed. Here's your host, Joey B. Hello and welcome to Joey B. Outdoor Science and Nature. Man, do I have the coolest job. I travel all across America to bring you the very best that nature has to offer. But welcome to part two of the best of Joey B. Outdoor Science and Nature. I've got a slew of stories to tell you, like I normally do, with obviously some cool science facts that go along. And I actually have a very special announcement at the end of this show. So let's start with one of my favorite animals. And I always say this, people say, well, what's your favorite animal? Well, most times it happens to be whatever animal I'm looking at. Well, I've had the honor of doing research on grizzly bears out in Montana. And for me, it's you see these monstrous animals and then you look at the like the care of the sow, which is the female with her cub out there or cubs. And it's just this spectacular sight that's out there. Well, let me give you a side of people say, oh, wow, it's cool. You're out there doing research. Well, you're with a backpack. You have all of your gear you need to survive, your research gear, and you're climbing up into the Rocky Mountains. And again, most times you start at, you know, somewhere, you, you don't start at the foot of the Rockies at zero. You're, you're obviously starting at like 7,000, 8,000 feet and going up from there. Well, when we were doing this, we were going to see if specific lands were critical grizzly bear habitat. And if they were, these areas would be closed off. So I have had the opportunity to hike into areas that some humans have never set foot in. And because some of it was deemed critical grizzly bear habitat, some people or any people will not be allowed to head into these specific areas. Well, let me just say, going back to the research side of it, people say, oh, it's really cool. You backpack life. Well, um, when you're in Montana, you look around and, and I kid you not in every direction you go, man, that, that's a postcard look. You look somewhere, that's, and that's what you're looking at. Every time you turn somewhere, the beauty of nature is spectacular. But it is a grueling experience. And it's funny that it wasn't climbing up the Rockies. You know, your backpack, you probably got about 50 to 70 pounds of gear inside of it um, because you need from the coolest weather, winter gear, to the warmest weather, a pair of shorts and T-shirts and everything in between. And, you know, you're, you're obviously research supplies, you're, you're, you know, spotting scopes, etc. You, you've got um, all your food supplies that go along with it. Well, I'm going to tell you that climbing up the Rockies was not so bad. But coming down the Rockies with all that weight, the pounding on my knees was crazy. And I, I've never in my life had a problem with my knees. And... When I was coming down, because again, you're talking about weeks up and down the Rockies, up and down, up and down. The, I had swelling on my knees, which lasted for months because when I got back from my research, uh, I also coach, went into the training room and spoke to one of the trainers and he said, it shouldn't be permanent. He says, but it's going to last a while. And it did last for months. Um, I continued to do my exercises, my rehab they had given me for my knees. But it is a grueling experience, 
But on the flip side of that is I would not trade that for anything else because, you know, think about this. You're right out. We were doing our research in the Beartooth Mountains. So you're right outside of Yellowstone. I always call Yellowstone my summertime playland because once I'm done with my research, I put my gear down, I grab my fly rod, and I am inside of Yellowstone fishing away, and I'm a catch and release guy. And it is, you know, people want to catch cutthroat trout, but there are these fish called mountain whitefish, and they fight like mad. And it's funny. Do I want to catch a cutty? Some name for a cutthroat trout. The answer is yeah. But guess what? Do I want to catch those mountain whitefish? The answer is definitely, definitely yes. Now, I have had many shows with my good friend, Inspector Dave. And Inspector Dave is a great, and I mean great, organic gardener. And he is a man. And so for any of you that are out there, not just in gardening, in anything in life, if you want to become an expert, put your time in. He is a self-learned man. And he's been doing this for 40 years, probably 40 plus years. And there is a brilliance in his mind. If I have an organic, think about this, one of my degrees is in botany, and I know plants pretty well. If I have a specific question, I go to him because he has the answer. And again, not right now, because I know you're listening to this best of two uh, series right now, and you want to hear all my little stories. But if you have a question about organic gardening, you can actually um, listen to one of our shows, you know, flip on organic gardening on one of the categories, or you can go to joeyb.tv, J-O-E-Y-B-E.tv, and watch some videos, some of our episodes with Inspector Dave. Just brilliant, brilliant man. Now, one of the animals, because people say, well, again, once again, what animal do you love? Well, how about moose? Well, if I'm around moose, then the answer is yes. And when I was doing my research on wolves, well, I got a chance to see some moose. But I'm going to go back to the grizzly bear just for a second. We were coming down out of the Rockies, um, coming downward, and we just spot a cow, female, moose, and her calf, the baby. And all of a sudden, they look at us. And it sounded like thunder as they crashed through. They ran. Uh, as the cow ran, and again, you need to talk about something that's monstrous, running through in the calf bomber. It was just this loud sound. But now let's go to the bull moose. Now, I always say in a lot of my shows, let me give you an awesome fact or a cool animal fact. Well, how's this one? The moose antler is the fastest growing cell of any mammal. People say, well, what does that really mean? So think about this. You might find a bull moose He's got this huge rack on the top of his head. And each antler, each side, weighs 75 pounds. So number one, think about you walking around with 150 pounds on your head. And he'll drop the antlers, obviously, after the rut. And by the next year, he will grow antlers that are larger than the ones before. Now, that is an awesome fact. Now, not a typical show, but one that really was really neat is... I interviewed Mark Costa, who is the brewmaster at Baritage Brewing, and we did the science behind beer because everyone's, you know, seeing all these micro brews prop up. And it's like if you walk into a store, there are micro brew after micro brew. It's amazing how many are there. And I really wanted to know, well, how is it brewed and the science behind? And Mark was so specific. I mean, he absolutely knew 
his craft, not craft brewing. I'm just a little, little pun on word there, but he just like absolutely knew it. And we were able to talk about, okay, so when that happens, here's the science behind that. And okay, and in this stage, and here's the science behind that. And that in itself, it's just like for me, see many times, specifically when I have a guest, but uh, for all my shows, I actually, even if I've like, for example, done research on a specific animal somewhere, I still do research, paper research, computer research on, I want to know more. So for me, these shows are a learning tool for myself as well. And Mark provided quite a bit of that. And, you know, let me go to one of my advertisers who's been with me since day one, and that is Ramsey Outdoor. And before I do, because I always do a Ramsey Outdoor commercial in um, somewhere in the shows, let me tell you about why Ramsey Outdoor is so important to me. Growing up as the little Joey B, young outdoorsman, I needed to know everything about the outdoors. I needed to buy every, because hey, we all have these passions. I needed to buy every bit of camping gear, and then we got into backpacking and, and so on as time went on. And it went then, obviously, to canoeing and kayaking and paddleboarding, et cetera. Well, when you go to Ramsey Outdoor, there are experts there. As I got into fly fishing, and one of my fly fishing mentors who has passed is just a wonderful man, Bill Borowski, working at Ramsey Outdoor. And it wasn't that they just wanted to sell you something. They wanted to teach you something. And every time I went into Ramsey Outdoor, magnetically, I'd go over and Bill would be talking to me about like whatever it was. I'd say, Bill, I got a question about. And he wasn't trying to sell. He was trying to teach. And obviously... These are the people that you would like to purchase from because you, you want to return to the store. And Ramsey Outdoor has every bit of outdoor gear there is. And I actually recorded a show with one of their employees, Teresa Hamill, and we spoke about camping gear, like a camping 101. And even if you were um, a novice, an expert, there's, oh, again, I always say this, there's always something that you can learn well, Teresa and I spoke, and we went camping 101 and made sure you, you, you knew about all the gear you were going to need if you're going to get out and camp safely, because I always talk about safety. So let's do that commercial. This show is brought to you by Ramsey Outdoor Stores. Whether you shop online or at one of their stores, your experience will successfully gear you up for your next adventure. Go to RamseyOutdoor.com. Now, my kayaking, as time went on, led to paddleboarding. And I actually had, and we recorded the paddleboard show this way because I would do Joey B on the road. Well, this was Joey B on the side of a glaciated lake. And I was with paddleboards expert, Steven Ritter. And what we did was this. We sat, there was actually a picnic table because I have a portable uh, sound system you bring for just specifically for podcasts out on the road, and we set it up on a picnic table next to this glaciated lake. So I spoke to Steve, and you know, so many techniques, paddling, etc., cetera, uh, strokes with the paddle, the length of paddle, etc. And then Steve and I, we took our paddle boards, and we went paddle boarding. So you see, um, we were out there, and then I was able to use the techniques that Steve was teaching about. So as I mentioned to you, this is a learning tool. You can do the same thing, uh, not just about paddleboarding, but if there's something 
um, in one of our categories and you're going, well, I need to learn about, well, you can learn about it and then take that knowledge. And the best way to really know something is to go use it. And I really believe that that's what this is about. And going back to Ramsey Outdoor, I've got, and they gave to me the largest paddleboard that is known it's a fishing paddleboard. I can actually do the Irish jig. I'm not an Irish by no means, but I can do the Irish jig on this because that's how stable and that's how large this paddleboard is. Now, I've done a show on Ecology 101. I've actually taught ecology classes. I am an environmental scientist, um, but I've taken a million ecology classes as well. So uh, just to be able to talk to people about what it's like, and I always say that one of the key words is association, and I try to link two specific things together, whether it's the physical environment or the living or two living things, for example, monarch butterflies and milkweed. And there's this, an association between them. And I'll give you a simple little one. It's like the monarch butterfly wants to lay its eggs on it because there's a toxin in the leaves. And when the larva, the caterpillars eat it, they get the toxin inside their body. So when they become adults, uh, and something comes down, a blue jay comes down, says, oh, look, Emil goes bites into it, goes, oh, man, and spits it out, goes, man, that tastes terrible. Well, there's an association between those two, and that to me is really what ecology is all about. Now, I did a show with my good friend Giselle Smisco of the Avian Wildlife Center uh, on releasing an osprey into the wild, and I've released um, red-tailed hawks with her, uh, I've actually built flight cages up there and, you know, done quite a bit at the Avon Wildlife Center throughout my lifetime. But when you're doing this with, once again, with an expert, we're on the road because we're at the center. And, you know, think about this. We've done things on talons and beaks and you, you've got Giselle bringing out uh, barred owls and then, you know, a, a screech owl, et cetera. And, 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 I, and it goes on and on. But when we were releasing that osprey, we had a full camera crew there and it was just so neat to be there and to learn and when Giselle picked up and flipped over because she's holding it because she had to band the osprey before she released it and when she took out the band and she showed that uh, that the bands are specific to not just her but specific number that's on the banding so if the bird is recaptured another time that we could tell exactly where it came from. Um, and again, we want to know where it went to, and that's an important piece. And then when you looked at, we'll say, the palms underneath his talons, it was like Velcro. She showed me the pads that are on it. So when the osprey is going down and going into the water to pick up a fish, because they are fishermen and fisherwomen, and when they pick it up, that little Velcro pad there has something really because it, it's so neat when you watch an osprey in flight holding a fish and the talons, uh, they are as sharp as could be, but you also have that extra little Velcro to hold on to it. And I would say this, if you are anywhere, because we, hey, we find osprey all across th this great country of ours, but if you are anywhere near, we'll say brackish water, seawater, if you see these platforms that are up there, so you see it almost looks like a small telephone pole with a flat platform on it, and then you'll see a huge nest on it. They are osprey nests. And osprey have, uh, their numbers have recovered so well because we have put all these nesting platforms up. And it's just something, again, 
Once again, you're saying, well, what's your favorite animal? When you're watching osprey, specifically watching them fish, well, then that at that moment is the coolest animal. Now, I have had this Don't Look Now series because it's Don't Look Now, but, and then there's something that has happened to me because I've had these crazy encounters with animals in the wild. Well, one of them was Don't Look Now, but there's a flying squirrel on my head, literally. So we were out doing kestrel research and we were up in Stoke State Forest because we were we were putting the nesting boxes up on an ecotone going back to ecology. And that's the boundary between two ecosystems, the forest ecosystem and then a field ecosystem because the kestrel found uh, safety by being in the forest, you know, trees, et cetera. And then it was able to hunt in the field. Well, we said, okay, let's try to put a few of the nesting boxes a little bit further into the woods to see if they'll nest there. Well, uh, they're about 15 feet in the air. I happen to be the first scientist, so here we are carrying a 15-foot ladder, a little bit larger, uh, into the woods. I happen to go up there expecting to find a kestrel, smallest bird of prey in there, and hopefully some of their chicks. And we're going to be banding. And I said, oh, this is wonderful. So I climb up. Uh, we the boxes we had this design where you pull a pin and the side of the box flips up on a hinge and you could just look inside. So I pull the pin, I lift it up, and a flying squirrel jumps out, lands on my head, and launches off into the tree. Now, when you're not expecting this, because I always say this, I don't get afraid, I really don't, except when a flying squirrel lunges on your head. And I am there. And the two scientists who are down below, the Featherman and uh, Dr. War Warbler, were, were, they're down there and they're laughing hysterically because, hey, again, yeah, you know what? When something happens to your friends, it's funny. When it happens to you at that moment, it's not so funny. Well, one of the things we realize, you know, over time, we go, well, why did this? And then we looked inside the nest, or I looked inside the nest, and there were three baby flying squirrels. There were northern flying squirrels. And I'm not exaggerating. All three babies would have fit into the palm of my hand. So I climb down and they're laughing and I'm laughing at this point because I'm now down trying to figure this out. And then we realize it was a female, the mom. She was going to take off in the hopes that I would go chase her. And that was for the protection of her babies. Well, we go to the next box. It's now the featherman's time to go up there and he's going to go up and I'm joking with him going, ah, I'm going to laugh at you. He goes, ah, it can't happen twice. So he pulls the pin, opens it up. Flying squirrel jumps out and doesn't land on his head, but lands in the tree. But when she jumped out, she kicked a piece of the nest off and it went down his shirt and it was full of fleas. And now he's on the ladder going, ah, beating his chest up there. Now it was my turn to do some laughing. So I share with you that because we've had some great encounters with animals in the wild. One is don't look now, but there's bees up my shirt. And that goes to the time when I was doing my wolf research. And uh, also, uh, I was not, Joey B was not allergic to bees until he got stung 40 or 50 times. Like well, you could play connect the dots on my back with all the bee stings. So I'll share that piece. And then there was don't look now, but there's snakes on my boots. And this is with thousands of snakes coming out of hibernation all around. So I share that with you. And again, these are other podcast shows that you can go listen to, but not now because, hey, 
I've got so many other stories to share with you on this best of two. Well, as an environmental scientist, one of my concerns is to protect and preserve habitats. And one of the ways we need to protect and preserve habitats is, well, we have vanishing native plants because there are so many invasive plants and they arrive so many different ways. One of the times I was doing research out in Idaho on non-native plant species on the sagebrush steppe. But where I live, uh, my farm in the Sourland Mountains, well, the Sourlands have so many invasive species here. And the Sourland Preserve, Sourland Conservancy is always trying to get people to replant native plants, to dig up um, some invasive species. And I'm only on this farm for about two years now. And I've started to, but it's amazing how many invasive species are here um, in number. Rosa multiflora, uh, the wild meadow rose, is just like everywhere. So to dig up these large parcels, uh, and I understand this, it will take time, but it will get done. And uh, that's the part of when you look at like environmental science, ecology, um, how do you tackle it? And once again, it's learning knowledge and then putting that good use or to good use. Now, one of my favorite, favorite uh, episodes was cranberry farming. I was able to go out with the Ocean Spray family. And Ocean Spray is a, really has a co-op of many cranberry farmers. And when you watch those Ocean Spray commercials, you will actually see them in there. Just the same way the older gentleman, younger guy in those Ocean Spray commercials. Well, I have had the opportunity to work with these gentlemen uh, because I wanted to learn all about it. And I was inside there. And then the very first Ocean Spray commercial where he poured a bag of a five pound bag of sugar into the water. I was able to go there with Ocean Spray and to recreate that commercial. We had a camera crew there. You can even watch that on Joey B TV. We got the episode there. That's J-O-E-Y-B-E-E dot TV. But don't go there now because, hey, as I keep saying, we get more wonderful stuff to speak about. And that was one of the you know, cooler episodes video-wise and obviously podcast show-wise because the each farmer had his own way of harvesting the cranberries. Many of them have actually created their own machines. And I asked one farmer, I said, so why don't you market it? He says, there's no use to market this machine because the next farmer down the road has created his own version. And me, I am a graduate of Rutgers University. So Rutgers is a research farm near the cranberry bogs on cranberries and blueberries. And I've been down there with Dr. Chickalese. And Dr. Chickalese is a wonderful, two things, is a wonderful scientist who does the research with cranberries, blueberries, but she's also a wonderful person, well-educated, well-spoken. And when I speak to Dr. Chickalese, I learn so much about, uh, I guess, the science behind, and then the farming, because you have to put those two together, because at times, farmers do become scientists in how they manage their crops, and that's something. So let me now get to that special message I was going to speak about. This today is actually going to be my last podcast show. I can't say that it's today is a forever, but um, being on the farm, once again, one of my degrees is in botany, and I've been beginning, because again, not on this farm long, beginning to do sustainable gardening for the homeowner. So I'm creating some 
I can't tell you because it's top secret stuff, but seriously creating things. Um, and I'm going to put some of my energies back into that. So I can't say it's goodbye forever. Uh, and I really truly mean this. And this is from my, my heart. We have people that listen to this show from all over the world. And I have been truly blessed to be able to share this knowledge with you. And I don't want to say goodbye because I'm not a goodbye guy because, hey, maybe one day uh, something has changed and there's more time to get back into the studio to do some more recording. So I am going to say thank you to each and every valued listener for the many years that I've been doing this show. And until next time, enjoy life's adventures. You can follow all of my adventures online at joeyb.tv. That's J-O-E-Y-B-E dot TV. And a very special thank you to the men and women of our armed forces for keeping us free and for our police and firefighters for keeping us safe. May God bless America. Until next time, this is Joey B. Enjoy life's adventures.